You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 344. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen on a uh, spring day that we got snowfall last night, David. Yeah, it's been cold here this week as well. I'm done. I'm done with the cold weather. Yeah. Just done with it. (laughs) I'm ready for some warmer weather, I can tell you. It's uh, warmer weather is easier to sell cars than I can tell you that. I'm, I'm sure it is. Nobody wants to be walking around cold lot, a, uh, a cold car lot. No, no, it makes me work more if I know someone's coming in and they're looking at a particular car or at least a a model. I'll get one warmed up so when they come in, it's a much nicer drive and testing a car and looking at it than sitting in a frozen car. Well, all of those things perceptually must have, you know, indirectly affect your opinion. You know, if you've got a um, getting something that's freezing cold and then got to got to drive it. Um, that's yeah. It's going to give you a negative impression. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, that's my opinion, anyways. It's, I think that yeah. it's probably borne out by fact as well. So, it's been kind of a slow week in tech, to be honest. I, I'm personally getting tired of hearing about. Oh, Facebook. Uh, they actually released a lot more user information than they previously reported. Um, yeah. that's, the way, that's the way these stories always yeah. go, though. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> they give you a number, and then there's a big furor over it. And then a couple weeks later, they release, oh, well, actually, it wasn't $44 million, It was $87 million, But it's a, it's a little story. And then you know damn well a week from now. Actually, it was probably closer to $150 million. You know, they kind of dribble yeah. it out there trying to mitigate the damage. But, of course, Facebook is doing nothing but um, chasing their own tail rightfully so uh this last couple of weeks you know they've just got some horrendous press and it's warranted it's absolutely warranted so i'm actually yeah. perversely enjoying watching facebook chase their tail the way they have um it's it's kind of fun oh speaking of perversely i also got kind of a perverse pleasure of giving guy Searle of the my mac podcast fame uh an earworm with pac-man fever last week <laughs> you said it would get some people didn't you it got guy he yeah. sent me a text he was like earworm <laughs> um that was funny so we do have of course our wiki trolling section coming up on this episode and um i think this will be kind of a fun one to talk about yeah we also, um, David's got some information here uh, about buying a laptop for work, right? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> regular listeners of the show will know that I have some responsibilities in, in my small company for looking after some of our IT. Uh, and we had a big meeting with our IT supplier this week because they've not been performing what we want and we need to reset the relationship and... We were talking about some of the things we'll need to do this year, and the Dell XPS 13s we have, um, which I chose specifically because it was the most MacBook-like PC I could find for our staff. Uh, those, those will need replacing towards the end of this year because they're coming up on three years old, 
and um, financially it makes sense to replace them in one go. And um, I started looking around as to what other machines we might want to consider because obviously during this year we may be may, may get some loaners in do some evaluation and to be honest with you I can't really find anything that's much better than the machine we have now but some people uh, particularly some of the older staff members have said you know what it's a great computer but it would be nice if it had a bigger screen on it you know mm, I can, they don't want more resolution they, they want they a bigger want, screen they want the same so they want yeah just like a uh, an iPhone 8 plus over an iPhone 8 yeah. they they want um a physically bigger screen with the same resolution because they, you know, their eyesight's not as good as it used to be. I can relate. So I looked, and, and sure enough, Dell does a 15-inch version of this same laptop. Now, for anybody who doesn't know the XPS 13 and the XPS 15, this thing, it literally um, is a... Well, it's probably thinner than the current MacBook Air at this point. Um, but despite that, it has ports. It has USB ports. It has um, oh a USB-C port and SD card slot. Good Lord. What do you do with ports nowadays, David? I know you plug things into it. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what people like to do. And, um, you know, it's handy to have ports on a computer. It has great battery life. It has a rest and a quality screen. Um, it has a full-size keyboard with full travel rather than the weird, clicky, uh, move-a-millimeter thing that Apple favors nowadays. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's a great, they're great computers, and everybody said they've, really, they've been really happy with them. So I looked at the 15-inch one, and it turns out the 15-inch one is probably even better. as even longer battery life. It lasts about 15 hours. Um, it basically is the same as the 13-inch, just blown up a little bit. Uh, but the thing is, it's, it's about £150 more than we pay for the 13-inch. So it's about £1,100, £1,200 for that computer. Mm -hmm. And that made me think, because at the same time I'm doing this, I have a... a 2013 I think uh, Retina 15 inch MacBook Pro that I've been using for the last few months which I absolutely love but all of a sudden it started um, it started not connecting to to an external monitor when I plug something in through the Thunderbolt port hmm, that's um, so good. and I'm fairly sure Apple has had a long and storied history of graphics card failures on their laptops and I'm pretty sure the discrete graphics chip on that laptop is on the way out got an appointment booked with Apple next week to have a look at it, but obviously this computer is long out of warranty. I expect them to say, yeah, it needs a new logic port, uh, it will be £800, and that's not going to happen. Um, and you know what? I've, so, so then I look at the price of the current 15-inch MacBook Pros, and it's over £2,000. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Now, you know, we've all heard the jokes about the Apple tax, and it's yes, I think you and I would both both agree that Apple products in the past have been more expensive than equivalent PCs, though normally not that much more expensive. Um, and we've always justified that on the basis that you get better design, uh, better engineering, uh, and obviously the macOS operating system as part of that deal. And that's a price we've been prepared to pay. But you know what? I, this is the first look in these two machines, the current 15-inch MacBook Pro uh, and then this Dell XPS 15. It's the first time since I got into Apple over 10 years ago, I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if I could live without having a Mac. And, uh, you know, if you look at the hardware strengths of the Dell XPS 15, it's right there with the MacBook Pro. Yeah. yeah the the screen not, is amazing. You're not compromising anything there. The only things you're compromising are things that people don't want. You, the, the 
different keyboard design, the touch bar, um, all USB-C ports. Those are all things that people have dinged Apple for on the current MacBook line. Right. But yeah. the big thing, and, honestly, though, is going to be the software. Now, if you're doing – and this is this is just the way it is. Yeah. Everything that you do on a computer now, it seems like business-related, is very rarely on your hard drive. It's all in the cloud now. Or you're collecting, connecting to a remote server, or you're running virtual desk, um, virtual workspace. It, it's all cloud-based. So the, I, the the OS itself has very little to do with getting work done. It really doesn't matter what the operating system is, <laughs> except yeah. viruses, malware. That is still major problems on the PC side. And while it's not unheard of on the Mac side, it's it's pretty rare. And you almost have to go out of your way to get uh, a Mac in, infected, if you will. Yeah. Um, so that is still, that has to be a, a big concern of yours, I would imagine. But yet, at, at half the price, I don't know, man. See, at half the price, um, I'm talking about me personally now. Yeah, I know. My business, yeah? At half the price, I know I could buy, go out and buy a license for the same Symantec cloud antivirus system that we use in the office uh, and still have a chunk of change left. Yeah. Even though that, that's like a yearly subscription, it's only about 50, 60 pounds. Which is nothing. Right? And I, I know that that, for the last three years, that has kept our computers completely and utterly virus-free. I get the reports. It's catching stuff all the time. But the thing is, nothing's coming on our machines. So I know that that problem is effectively solvable with the application of a little bit of money. Uh, and the other key differentiator here, and this is this is kind of a, a problem of Apple's own making, is in the past, I would never even consider this because, yes, I wouldn't want to give up Apple for my life. I use an iPhone uh, and everything like that. There are some things you can't do on the iPhone. But you know what? I have iPads at home. That's pretty much the computer I use when I'm at home most of the time. It's very rare that I actually have to get a Mac out. In fact, most often, the only the most time I'm using the Mac is when I'm doing the show, when I'm recording it and when I'm editing files to send through to you. Most of the other things I do, I could get by on an iPad. So if I have to have a computer just for those heavy lifting tasks that I can't do in iOS, yeah, that there is a good chance I could say I could live without a Mac. Well, I think there's more than a good chance. I think that it's a certainty. Uh, as much as we like to think that Apple's dominant in in all fields, they're simply not. PCs still outsell Macs in total. There's still more PC users than Mac users. Uh, there's more Android users than iPhone users. So can you get by without living in the Apple ecosystem? Absolutely. And there's less and less reasons, and this is Apple's own doing, to stick with the Mac when pretty much everything you can do. Like, for instance, I'll give you an example, David. As as you know, I got my used iMac 21-inch um, from OWC, and I got it for a really good price. Yeah. Well, if this thing died on me today, I would want to replace it with another Mac. But let's say it's going to be a couple weeks before I can get another one in here. So I'm screwed, yeah. right? Well, no, other than the, the 17 inch MacBook pro that I've got sitting over here. Uh, I have a desktop PC right behind my monitor. That's ready to go at any time. And it's got an I three chip or an I five chip in it. It's relatively fast. 
And other than recording this podcast, almost every single thing I do on it, I don't need a Mac to do. It's all web-based stuff. So could I get along without a Mac? Yes, I could. Now, the Mac uh, makes my life easier because my workflow is based around the Mac OS. The the programs that I use for editing the show and recording the show is all Apple-based. But everything else doesn't matter. FTP client, anything. An XML editor, anything. I, I, I don't need the Mac OS to do those things at this and, point. And even the workflow stuff, there, <clears throat> there are PC equivalents. Absolutely. Some I just don't better, know what they are. Some of them are worse. Yeah. Some of them are different. Some of them are more expensive and less expensive. Right. I don't want to trivialize this. This is, this is not the sort of thing I would do lightly. And to be honest with you, my real preference would be not to do it. I'd rather not do it. It's like, like you say, I'm very comfortable in the Mac environment. Yes. But the problem is, is, this is not this is not me just being obstinate. This no. is just me looking at the value yes. of the Mac hardware and go, you know what? Even with all of the benefits that running a Mac gives me, that's a hell of a lot of a lot of money. Yeah, two thousand two hundred pounds for a fifteen inch laptop. And of course people people can easily say, Well, you don't need a fifteen, you can have a thirteen. Or you don't need a brand new one. Yeah, that's cheaper. But yeah, but the point is, is that that's still worse value. I can still get a, uh, I can get a 15-inch Dell that's equivalent to the MacBook Pro for the same money I'd have to spend on a 13-inch, um, a 13-inch MacBook Pro, or, or you know, or a little bit more money than than a MacBook Air that hasn't been updated for three years, right? And doesn't have a Retina screen. Yep. The, the, look, the laptop line is still a mess. It is. Yeah, yep. I, I see a lot of those new machines around. They they are gorgeous looking. I'm not a big fan of the keyboards, having had the MacBook that has that type of keyboard, and then hearing about the reliability problems with some of those keyboards. I'm not thrilled about the prospects of having that. But they are lovely-looking machines, and you see a lot of them around. But I think a lot of people bought them just because that was the first update we'd had to the, the Apple laptops in ages. Yeah, I am quite sure over the next year or so, those machines will be replaced. And I suspect they'll be replaced with something quite different. Yep. Um, but I, whether Apple will bring the prices down to make them more competitive, that I don't know. They're not, no, they're not going to. You know, well, when, yeah, when is Apple ever they will drive re- long-term people away from the platform at that sort of price level? But I don't think the Mac is their priority, regardless of what they say. Now, the flip side of that is what's going on with the Mac Pro, because that made a whole lot of news this week as well, David. Um, everybody was hoping that the new Mac Pro would come out this year, and it's totally not. Apple's already said yeah. it's going to be next year. And it looks like Apple um, is starting to get serious about the Mac Pro line, because the, thir- the 2013, which they've never updated, um, was not the solution that Pro users we're looking for it just wasn't regardless of what apple may have said at the time uh it was clearly a form over function replacement for the mac pro yeah right and people simply were not happy especially the pro users they just were not happy with this machine it's not what they wanted it's not what they uh, asked for and Apple in their arrogance said, well, that's what we're giving you because we think that this is going to be the right one for you. Now that works in some respects. I think it works in, in the iOS ecosystem that Apple will provide us what they think we need. And I think their track record kind of backs up that claim, uh, in popularity, but the iOS and, and tablets and phones, that's still a relatively new 
category. Um, computers, that's a different matter. We're talking about established workflows from professionals that they're not going to invest all this money just to accommodate Apple's design whims. So they yeah. finally figured this out. They're they're releasing a new Mac Pro next year. And to take it one step further, <clears throat> Apple isn't just working with graphic professionals, video editors, all those kind of people that ye- need the horsepower in these machines. They've actually hired some of the best people out there, professionals. And yeah. they, they have set up a work group that's looking at all of these issues and what works best for these people. And Apple, I don't know if so many people have, have connected the dots, just released an update to uh, Mac OS that will allow Mac OS users to fully take advantage of external uh, GPUs, which means better 4K editing because then you, you move that horsepower to an external box. Um, those are the kind of things that at least to me, screams that the the next Mac Pro is going to be more of a modular design because that's what graphic professionals, video professionals, audio professionals, that's what they need. They can't rely on the built-in hardware only to get the work done because hardware moves at an accelerated rate. Look at the Mac Pro. 2013 was the last update. It's it's 2018 now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I'm... In some respects, I'm pleased. I was pleased to hear the news about that this week, but in other respects, I wasn't because what's come out this week has made it perfectly clear that, despite the fact that a year ago, when they said, when they brought people in and said, "Okay, we've got an iMac Pro coming, um, but the Mac Pro, we're gonna, you know, look, we messed it up. We're gonna redesign it from scratch. We're gonna try and give you what you need." They said a year ago that they'd recognised this sometime before. The fact that the Mac Pro is not going to come out to 2019, to me, screams the fact that they recognized it about a month before they called those people in I agree. Them about the change of strategy. Uh, yep. And that worries me. It worries me because while it's good that they've recognized the problem and they're doing something about it, it worries me that Apple internally is capable of being so arrogant that it can miss something so obvious to everybody else for so long and then have to do a, a like 180 degree about turn and change strategy well apple's been doing that yeah but apple's but, done that but, and you know the fact that the, the fact that the, the corporate leadership can get themselves in that position worries me and this know, goes back to what we were talking about last apple's week, always been like this though man it's it's yet yet again we see a situation where it looks like apple is kind of getting it wrong and not realizing what everyone else is yeah. screaming at them yep. and, and if they keep doing that they're going to make their lives and our lives much, much harder over the next few years. I and agree. it concerns me that they keep making that same mistake. But they've been doing... The the corporate culture of Apple is totally different personnel-wise than it used to be, but the culture isn't. They, they've been like this for a very long time, as long as I've been covering Apple, which goes all the way back to 1995. They've always been like this. They don't listen to the users or the listeners. Apple knows best. That's an old trope that's been... Uh, hell, you go back to the first year of the MyMac podcast. Chad and I were talking about the, exactly the same topic. Apple knows the best. Shut up and eat your Apple sandwich because that's what you're going to get and you're going to like it. And it doesn't matter what you think you like. Apple knows best. And like yeah, I said, but- you know, it, it, that may be true on iOS to a certain degree. But, you know, that kind of mindset 
I would hope anyways, eventually comes up and bites you in the butt. Cause well, yeah. I mean, the last time Apple went down this route with the Mac hardware was the beleaguered years before Steve Jobs came back. Yep. And it, and it took Steve Jobs coming back and wiping the decks to get them away from the position they put themselves in that nearly killed the company. Yes. Now, I'm not suggesting that, that can happen again. Uh, and, and let's face it, as you say, the Mac is not the most important platform that they have nowadays. But you know what? In some respects, it is because it does underpin everything else. Yeah. You can't develop for iOS without a Mac. Yeah. yeah? And, 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 and Apple is not very good at kind of moving away from wholesale um, software architectures to something else. They're quite good at doing it in, t- in time with the hardware, but what they, what, you know, to, for them to basically port the entire Xcode and iOS development system into non-Mac hardware because they're going to deprecate the Mac, yeah, I, I would, I would doubt whether they can pull that off well. Doing that sort of software development is not their forte. So I think this is a concern. They need to keep the Mac around and they need to keep the Mac strong to underpin everything else they do and at the moment they're kind of making a bit of a hash of it in in some areas and and that worries me and and the fact that they make those mistakes over and over again concerns me and i I hope that that's going to have that that's going to change and i think that this news about the mac pro and this team that they've assembled actually goes uh i don't want to say a long way but some ways towards addressing those concerns because we share the same concerns and i think Honestly, any Mac user that's listened to the show probably shares those same concerns. Um, yeah. And I think this news is, is good news. I want to keep it positive yeah. uh, in my mind that, hey, look, they're they're actually listening. They're, they're course correcting. I hope but, they can do it with yeah. the entire line, including the laptops. Yeah. But I, I want my, my, key can, my key hope for that is that <clears throat> after the Mac Pro comes out, they don't just uh, disband that team and say, right, job done. They need to keep this as an ongoing effort inside Apple well, to make knock sure... Knock on wood. You know, to make sure that they continue to stay on the right course correction for the Mac. And hopefully the fact that they're now doing TV, they're now, you know, producing content for, for part of their stuff as well. You know, they famously have spent a billion dollars on, on licenses and content deals will mean that they, they will have creatives inside the company who will want to use Apple hardware and will constantly input into the design process. So let's jump over to uh, an, a small little Apple news thing, and you posted this in the show notes. So there's a case in Australia, a murder case, that they're using data gathered from an Apple Watch to, uh, the prosecutors are, to prove that the defendant's story doesn't hold water. Yeah, and um, I, I really, I put this in, the, in here because, you know, we are so concerned at the moment with Facebook and data breaches and data privacy and that sort of thing. And then, yeah, we can often forget that we are surrounding ourselves with devices that are capturing all sorts of data about ourselves. And those, those devices, at the moment, there's no legal frameworks to prevent you, uh, the prosecutors and the authorities using those things to build a story against you. Yeah. Um, in this case, what, what happened was that the, um, the, defend- the defendant is accused of murdering her mother, uh, and she claims that an intruder came into the house and committed the murder. Um, and the story she's given to the police involves a, a quite a long gap between um, uh, uh, basically saying that she, that she she heard this intruder late at night right. and came out and then uh, or came down and found her mother had been killed 
um, and then raised the alarm. And she's saying that, that her mother was killed at that point. Now, the Apple Watch apparently indicates that the woman's uh, apparently had no heartbeat for several hours before the alarm was raised. Um, and that points a hole into this lady's story. Doesn't necessarily mean she committed the murder, but it's interesting that, um, you know, effectively we are now wearing devices that can tell prosecutors all sorts of things about what we sue do yeah but say. it could also tell defendant uh, defendants defense attorneys the same thing you know just yeah. focusing on hey you know they can use this against you good if they're the murderer good they i'm yeah. absolutely happy about that but if it can also prove your innocence you know hey i was nowhere near that well prove it well i had my apple watch on and it recorded my gps data so there you go um yeah. That's good, too. So I don't think that yeah. this is necessarily a, a positive or a negative story. I think it's a eye-opener that, hey, if you're an innocent person, the technology can prove it, great. If you're a guilty person, well, I guess you shouldn't have committed murder, should you? Well, exactly. Um, but but obviously, you know, the legal profession is going to have to scramble to adapt. Because, well, but that's always going to be the case it, with new technologies. It sounds, sounds to me like, like this particular lady's defense team never considered looking at this data or using this data to corroborate or um, suppress her story um, and I, I think I think the difficulty is is that the problem with any sort of circumstantial evidence is that sometimes that can be spun a certain way and so I think everybody needs to be aware of these devices and what their capabilities are to make sure that um, whatever your um, whatever your approach is to a legal problem, to make sure that the um, you don't rely on this data and this data alone because um, it could be misinterpreted. Good point. Um, yeah. We do want to thank our sponsor, OWC. Uh, I've got a link in the show notes this week to speakers that OWC are selling because obviously I'm a big fan of music, uh, spoken word content, a podcast. I mean, David and I have been doing this for a decade. Um, speakers are, you know, not just the portable kind and not just the kind that sit on your desk, but all kinds of speakers. And ODBC has a great selection at very, very affordable prices. Right now, for instance, they've got um, a Boomstream Bluetooth wireless media speaker. This thing is regular 50 bucks. They've got it for less than 20 So yeah. if you're looking I, to I, save some money. Psh. Yeah, I like this. Um, they also do one that's, that's a goes into a light fitting. Yes. And it's actually a speaker and a, and a light all in once, all in one with a Bluetooth LED bowl speaker, and that's very cool. I, I, I'd question how it sounds, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't imagine it's going to sound great. You're definitely not going to get much bass out of that. Yeah, but, you know, light nevertheless, if, you, uh, if you like to listen to podcasts in the shower... Yeah, there you then go. Having having that in your uh, in your bathroom uh, bathroom light fitting might be quite nice. Well, I'd say maybe a wa uh, a waterproof speaker might be a better choice. But hey, yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you very much to OWC. Make sure if you guys are upgrading your Mac or PC, make your first stop MacSales dot com. Uh, I'm debating. I think we're going to talk about this topic that I kind of put in there first before we jump into our wiki trolling as usual. Okay. Um, I kind of came across this by accident, to be honest. I was looking for something on Amazon, and I'm looking for the next couple books I want to read. Kind of was thinking maybe taking a break from some of the sci-fi that I've been reading. 
Uh, and I, I, you may not know this, David, but I actually read a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm taking a break at work, I'm pulling on my iPhone, I'm launching Kindle, and I'm reading. And I probably read a book a week, maybe a little bit right. less than that. It depends on how busy I am. But on average, and it's not just books. I read online all the time. I still read comics, digital form. I read a lot. So I'm a big reader. So I thought, you know what? I want to go and look at you know what are some of the biggest books out there that I've never read. So I thought, I want to look at the, the top 20 best-selling books of all time. And then, I don't know, what else is out there? So I found this page on Amazon. And sure enough, it's the top 20 lists in books. And this list kind of gave me pause. And it also made me think of the difference between men and women. So I'm looking at the top top 20 best-selling books of all time. Here's just the top four. Fifty Shades of Grey, The Hunger Games Book 1, then The Hunger Games Book 2, and then I guess it's Book 3, I don't know. Those are the top four. The next one is Discovering Discover Your Clifton Strengths. I don't know what that is. Self-help book is what I'm assuming. Then after that is Fifty Shades Darker, Gone Girl, uh, Fifty Shades Freed, uh, The Help, which is, I don't know, something... The Help, the help is... Uh, it was meant to a movie. It's about... Um, it's about... Uh, so kind of... It, it's a bit. It's set in the south, and it's about um, mate, chambermaids, that sort of black chambermaids working right. in a uh, in a southern house after slavery. But you know, and then of, and then you jump yeah. down to the top twenty customer reviewed books: Fifty Shades trilogy, The Hunger Games trilogy, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, uh, The Girl on the Train, Gone Girl, Divergent, uh, The Fault in Our Stars, uh, The Nightingale. So. I'm kind of seeing a little bit of a pattern here, David. And I think that is women read more books than men. Well, uh, I I mean, correlation is not necessarily causation. Um, No. Women certainly buy more books than men. And they review (laughs) them. Well, if they're buying more, I would assume. You don't know whether they're reading them all. Uh, Yes, they are. Come on. Women, I think think it's a... I hate Blaken statements, but... I think women read more books than men. I just well, do. Well, certainly anecdotally from um, spending the last couple of years wandering around London and seeing what people do when they're commuting, yeah. uh, I would I would agree with that, that I see more women reading um, than than I see men do. In fact, I hardly ever see men reading on the, on the tube and on the bus and on the train going up and down to London. Um, I see lots of women reading. Right. Um, I see lots of men watching video and playing with their phones. And so there's uh, the second part of reading. this. Here's the second part of this. Yeah. So I think women read more, and I think men watch TV and movies more, and I'm just going to focus on movies. So I think that the publishing industry is much more focused on women, and the movie industry is much more focused on males. And here's here's yeah. my evidence. Here's the top list of all-time grossing movies. Number one is Avatar. Now, definitely a, a guy movie. The whole thing with Avatar is, um, you know, a big fight and it's the 3D well, it, spectacle. It's a standard. Avatar is effectively a standard. A superhero movie. Ma- male colonial savior story. Right. And it's a superhero story. He's got superpowers yeah. now that he's in this thing. Number two, yeah. Titanic. Well, that's a crossover movie. That's definitely big with women. No question about it. But 
probably every woman that you've known has seen Titanic and probably every man that you know has seen Titanic. Most of them was probably dragged to it by their wives or girlfriends. They didn't really want to go see Titanic, but they had to. Anecdotally. Uh, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Did, would part, you have gone part, to Titanic part, by yourself? Come on. Part, no, part of the difficulty I have with, with this comparison is that is that I think that a lot of people go to the movie theater as couples or as families. Mm. So I'm not sure that the kind of the direct men watch movies. I don't think so. Because let's thing stacks I, up. I do. I do. Let's keep, let's does. keep going. Number three, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Number four, Jurassic World. Number five, The Avengers. Number six, Furious 7. Number seven, Avengers, Age of Ultron. Number eight, Harry Potter, The Deathly Hallows Part 2. Number nine, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Number 10, Frozen. Number 11, Black Panther. Black Panther already is number 11. Yeah. That's impressive. Number 12, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, number 13, The Fate of the Furious. Number fourteen, Iron Man, then Minions, Captain America: Civil War, Transformers, Dark Side, Dark of the Dark Side of the Moon, The Lord of the Rings, Skyfall, and Transformers again. I I I, I uh, oh I know I, I die a little inside to find that a Transformers movie is in that list. There's two um, of them in the top twenty. That's so yeah. sad. But um, yeah, I, as I say, I think the problem with the movie thing is the stats are more nuanced. I mean, Frozen's in there. That's not a that's, not that's a, a kids a, movie. A girl orientated movie. No, it's so kids. Much as a kids orientated movie. Correct. You know, same with um, Minions. But but I, I again I, I can't get away from the fact that some of the reasons these things are big sellers is because couples or families go and see them. Which means to a certain extent, sales. yes. But I think as a whole, all almost all of that, I would say three quarters of those movies are male focused centric movies. Uh, I, that on, on that, I would agree. Yes, I, it's definitely true that Hollywood, in particular, the American cinema, yep. um, so, you know, kind of makes and designs and markets movies that are um, adult male orientated because that's the demographic that they feel has the most direct disposable income to spend on it. Whether whether those those numbers actually actually bear out the success of that that approach i don't know but but i'd agree with you that in terms of if it, instead of looking at the the pure sales that um if you look at how those industries are marketing themselves then the the book industry is very much um aiming itself at at um at women and and certainly you know young adult but young adult women uh and the and the movie industry is aiming itself towards young men yes you know in their early early 20s because that's the big demographic for both of those. Well, well which... that, that's the demographic they, they're convinced sells. What's, in, what's slightly interesting is that actually a lot of those top ten books um, were also made into movies, which um, yeah. I sometimes I think skews the book sales numbers as well because obviously uh, a lot of people will have, will have got, gone and bought Fifty Shades of Grey, for instance, because they saw the movie first and then want to read the book afterwards. Uh, no, because it's not even on the top 20 list, that movie. No, just because the movie isn't, that doesn't mean it, it didn't drive book sales. There are some people who will see the poster for the movie and then go out and buy the book. Right, that's Without true. necessarily seeing the movie. So, I think there's a reason for this, David. I think that reading books requires a much higher intellect than sitting there watching a movie or a TV show. And this goes to my long-held theory that I don't think that you and I could argue this. As a whole, women are smarter than men. 
Well, I, I no, I'm, I am going to argue that. Mm, I, you're going to lose. I Let's get your wife involved. Go, 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 I, get your wife. We'll bring her on the show. We'll ask her her opinion. Well, I'm happy to, <laughs> to ask her opinion. Um, I don't have a problem with that. They, the thing is, She's I, I, with I suspect a lot of these things are much more cultural than they are about raw intelligence. Mm. You know, I think, I think, I think girls at school are encouraged to read more than boys at school are. Boys at school are encouraged to play sports. Girls at school are, while they, they're also encouraged to play sports, they're also encouraged to be more creative and to get involved in the liberal arts more. And I think that drives a lot more reading. Um, and I think because in terms smart. of the, uh, you know, certainly when you get to uh, your 20s as a woman, because the fact that movies are being marketed towards young men, yeah, there's not a lot of movies there for you to go out and see. So you're going to read instead. So you think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy? I, I, I'm, I think the nature of these things, um, you know, you can extend an anecdote too far and draw conclusions that aren't necessarily based in fact. I think a lot of these things are much more complicated than they might appear. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm quite happy to uh, to say that in uh, there are areas where women are superior to men in terms of the things they do and the things they feel um and again those could be cultural as well but i'm not you know arguing that and i'm i'm certainly not arguing the alternate which is perhaps suggested by your question which is <laughs> if i don't agree that that women are smarter than men that means i think men are smarter than women i don't agree with either of those statements to be fair i stick by um, my statement you know, but uh, I, I think I think everyone is as capable and as intelligent as as their environment helps them to to achieve. And I don't think that, and you know, even somebody who who is obsessed with reality TV shows uh, and um, books that are books that are seen to be perhaps not terribly literary, like um, you know, Bills and Boone romance novels or young adult fiction or something like that. I don't think that make, necessarily makes them more or less intelligent than somebody else who, um, who, you know, who likes to watch The Fast and the Furious. Though I think we'd all agree that anybody who is really into NASCAR is, is definitely intellectually stunted. Yes. <laughs> so let's jump to our wiki trolling section this week. I don't know whether that went the way you wanted it to, but... <laughs> I, I stick by my. Uh, you stick by your uh, right. your assertion without without the facts to back it up. So uh, continue on with that. No, my my anecdotal evidence is women yeah. are just smarter than men are. They just are. Um, put it put it this way: I'm not not going to argue that point with a lady who agrees with you. <laughs> and every woman will agree with me, and half the men will agree with me. Um, ATM machines, David, automated yeah. teller machines. This is something we never really talked about. It's obviously tech-related. Um, these actually came out a lot earlier than I would have guessed. I would have thought the, the first ATM machines were probably around the, the 80s. And yeah, actually, so I, would have, I would have put them at that as well. Yeah, but no, they, they really aren't. They started really in the 60s. Uh, they started seeing wider adoption in the 70s. And, of course, by the 80s, they were pretty much everywhere. And I can still remember using my first ATM machine and thinking, this is just, this is awesome. This is amazing. I can get cash anytime I want. I don't have to wait for the bank to be open. And it, it, it was one of those things that this is, 
so obvious. This will always be around, and they're still around, don't get me wrong. But at this point in time, at least in the Western countries, uh, England, America, the EU, uh, I even probably more so in, in Japan and in some of the Asian markets, um, ATMs are on their way out simply because we've gone to digital currency, i.e. credit cards, ATMs, um, on your phone, on your watch. You just swipe your thing and be done with it, uh, which obviously is a, is a much better scenario than going to a machine, pulling cash out, putting your card in, putting your pin in, pulling cash out, checking your balances. You don't have to do that stuff anymore. It's all on your phone. It's on your computer. But I still find it kind of... Um, interesting that this goes way way back and they really became popular in uh asia and in your neck of the woods the united kingdom that's that's kind of where they yeah. got popular the the first one they, went into operation in 1966 yeah they are they were they are definitely a very very big thing in the u.s in the uk and always have been and i find it interesting because ATMs represent a weird dichotomy because it's a high-tech way. Um, I mean, it's almost like a robot because before ATMs, you had to go into the bank when it was open and go and see uh, you know, somebody at a glass window and ask them for cash right. from your bank account, which was incredibly inconvenient. You had to line up and everything like that. Uh, the ATM basically automated that process. That's kind of – it's in the name. Um, and, yeah, they, they exploded here, and they're still very popular here. Um, we, we the, they're, they're known in um, in the UK by many people as the hole in the wall. Yes. Yeah. Um, because cash is still is even with the rise of contactless and everything uh, and payment systems and credit cards and and I think that's one of the differences is that we did not have the wholesale adoption of credit cards in this country that you had in the states. So. Yeah. Um, People were very much more cash orientated in the eighties than, than than the US was at the time, and I know that because uh, I, I spent a lot of time each each year in the eighties in both places, um, and um, the the adoption of credit cards in the UK was much much less than than um, than it was in the US at, at that time. So that's why ATMs were very popular here because we had so much cash, and I still you know what I don't. I'm not one of these people who subscribes to the uh, the end of cash um, as quickly as, as perhaps some pundits do, because you know I, I see what some sectors of society like to do, and there are large sectors sectors of society who still like cash. Um, they like giving over money. You know, I walked through an area of London last night that had a very heavy um, Middle Eastern component to it. It's uh, known colloquially as Little Cairo. Um, it's just just north of um, of Hyde Park in London uh, and there's whole long rows there of, of uh, shops with Arabic signs on because that's where a lot of those people settled in the 50s and 60s and that sort of thing and you walk down there and I'll tell you it's, it's cash for everything Yep. People are not are not using cars, so I think I think maybe in Western society generally we might see a decline in ATMs as we move to more of these digital things. I think in other parts of the world, cash still has a long and storied and um, and you know bright future ahead of it. It is widely accepted that the first cash machine, which is a machine that will actually dispense cash to you, was put into place by Barclays Bank in its was it Enfield Enfield yeah. Enfield, 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 Enfield Town, Town yeah. north of London 
On uh, June 27, 1967, the machine was inaugurated by English comedy actor Reg Varney. Um, so, and there's actually a picture of him getting cash out of this machine. So this is the very first cash dispensing machine, 1967, uh, north of London. Um, it, it, they had uh, machines before this, but most of them were for uh, depositing uh, money into. Yeah, so checks and, that checks and cash, you know, you, your business closes after the bank. You don't want to take it in the morning. You can go and put it in this machine. Um, and that makes sense. But giving money um, didn't really become a thing for a long time. So in 1967 was the first one, but it was not widely adopted in the United States. In 1961, um, there was a machine that uh, bank graph. Uh, which was it was just kind of to 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 do electronic banking, i.e., check your account, do deposit, but you couldn't get money out of it. Uh, they installed that in 1961, and they got rid of it six months later because nobody was using it. So mm. this, I still, I still hold that it wasn't until the 80s that the ATM exploded in popularity. You know, yeah. no, it, I'd agree with that. Yeah, definitely agree and I that. think that's because the the proliferation of ATM cards. Yeah. You know, you get a savings account, you get a checking account, whatever. You also get an ATM card. And back then, you see, younger generations won't won't know this, but back then you you'd have an ATM card. You couldn't use it anywhere but an ATM machine to get cash. It wasn't tied to your bank account like a credit card. In other words, you couldn't. You couldn't go in. It's, it wasn't a debit card. Let me put it that way. Yeah, you couldn't use it as really that was the two thousands, the late nineties, late nineties, early two thousands. Yep. Yeah. And that and that ostensibly, if they take a credit card, they could take a debit card, and it just pulls money right out of your account. Before that, yeah. you'd get an ATM card. You'd set up your PIN, and that would allow you to get cash out of an ATM. And yeah, that was an eighties thing. Yeah, if you wanted to, but if at the same time, if you wanted to use a card to pay, you had to use a credit card. You couldn't use a. There was no such thing as a debit card back then. Yeah, and um, and I, 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 I go ahead. I was always, I always find it found it very weird, because in the eighties, going to the states, as I say, it was immediately apparent to me that um, there was a difference in the way both of us handled money. For a start, in in Britain, we don't really have this. Um, this uh, idea of a, of a quite as much as you do of a checking versus a savings account. Uh, right. We do have savings a, a savings account, but effectively, most people's accounts are just what we call current account, which you would call a checking account. Well, most uh, of them are that the, way the now way as well, because the whole idea of a savings account is kind of going by the wayside. Because, exactly. quite honestly, you're not making any money in a savings account anymore. That that's no and, and yeah and not only that the, the idea of in, in the modern parlance of having a, an account where you have restricted access to the money right. um, doesn't really make sense in an electronic world. No, but um, the, the what always struck me was that um, and and it's still the case today is that America had many more banks than we do. I'm not talking about institutions. I'm talking about actual branches. Yes. Um, and you would think, given how small Britain is, that we would still have plenty of bank branches, but we don't. Bank branches are really a dying breed here, and um, it causes a lot of 
concern, particularly in rural communities, when, you know, there are still some things you can only really do at a bank branch. And um, in, in British rural community, communities, there are towns and villages that don't have any banks in them left anymore. Hmm. Whereas in the States, I, it always struck me that you had a lot of automation and yet still a lot of people working in banks. Yep. We, you know, so you had you will have a drive-through window with a uh, machines to allow you to deposit money and take money out and that sort of thing. <laughs> and I always found it very weird in the 80s that that drive-through window was basically just a carrier that would take paper between your car and the person sat at a window actually inside the bank. <laughs> that always struck me as being really odd because you were automating something that was completely utterly manual when, in fact, you could have used the, ele the electronics to completely get rid of the person inside the bank. Yep. It's, uh, yeah. ATMs is, is one of those things that I don't know if... I, I think that the decline of the ATM is apparent, uh, but they're still out there all over the place. I just... I think... I just think that, at least in the Western worlds, it, it, the the switches to cards. It's electronic. It's It's more secure... I mean, there was a whole thing. I remember when I got my first ATM card, it came with a little flyer. Don't go to an ATM by yourself at night. Um, yep. You know, check your surroundings. You know, it was this element of danger because it, you're going to pull cash out of this machine. The machines were restrictive with how much cash it would dispense in a 24-hour period. So if you lost your card or someone held you up at gunpoint and said, give me all your money, and drove you to the ATM machine, or they were hiding behind the ATM machine when you walked up to it, there's only so much money you can give because the machine simply won't give them any more money. So they had all these security things in, in place, and I think that that comes with somewhat of a ne negative connotation. And with credit cards and electronics, it, the, it's still there. People can steal your money just as easily, but it's different. You got to go well, into yeah. a place, and, and, and nowadays, of course, <clears throat> these these things represent easy money for criminals. They get stolen quite easily. They are effectively an electronic safe. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you can steal one, then you know a few hours with an angle grinder and maybe some welding equipment, and you can get access to the cash inside. There's certainly been quite a few. Um, fairly innovative approaches to breaking into them here in the UK. I know that there was a couple of instances where people were tunneling into locations where the uh, ATMs were um, over a couple of nights without being noticed and then cutting a hole in the bottom <laughs> taking all the cash out. Yep. Um, and uh, a particular theft du jour at the moment in the UK is to turn up with a big um, kind of like a... Like a uh, it's, it's almost like a forklift truck, but it's it's a forklift truck with um, combined with a mechanical digger. This is something that's used in the building industry for putting pallets up high and stuff like that. Uh, and guys basically come in. A lot of the uh, a lot of the out town buildings, you know, strip malls and everything now have relatively light steel and aluminium roofs, and it's quite easy to rip the roof off uh, and then yeah. get inside and, and winch out the ATM. Well, I remember uh, off with it in the middle of the night. I, I remember uh, news reports back in the eighties of <laughs> these standalone machines. Somebody on a pickup truck—they'd have video of it. A guy to pick up big old Ford pickup truck would pull up. They'd put a chain around the ATM machine, secure it, and then just drive off, rip it right out of its its yeah. mounting. And you know, half the time they still couldn't get into the machine because they're effectively, like you said, safes. They're not easy to get into. 
uh, a lot of yeah. them, especially back then. They're probably easier now because they don't keep a lot of money in them. And yeah, it's they're usually well lit areas, video security. It's all connected to the internet, so it's not like you just steal the machine and the tape recordings in the machine. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's. I I remember that. I there's probably been theft from ATMs in movies for a long time. Heck, even in the Spider-Man movie, when he's fighting the the foe Avengers, the guys in the mask, they're trying to break into an ATM machine. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the other thing is that the fraud is quite easy with these things. There are various electronic ways to either skim people's cards as they're using them or uh, alternatively to... Um, hack the system. Hack the system. Yeah, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. You know what, I, I never forget this. My worst experience with an ATM, I went into one, um, you know, sometimes you have the, the kind of the bigger, more capable machines yeah. actually inside a bank yeah. so that you don't have to queue up and go and see the teller. So I went into a bank, this was about 25 years ago now, and I, uh, I, uh, I took some money out and I put the money in my wallet and I go, where's my card? It hasn't given me my card back. And so I called somebody over, and you know, they they obviously they weren't able to get inside the machine. They they said, well, if it swallowed your card, and you know, they checked my account, and my account was okay. And they said, well, it swallowed your card. We'll have to raise a support call and, and get and somebody out who has access to it, and all of this sort of thing. And and this this machine was also in a in a place where I I didn't really live or work, so I think I'd had to come back tomorrow to see if they found my card and all of this sort of thing and it was whether I was going to cancel my card and everything like that. So it was a whole great big deal. Um, and uh, after 40 minutes of, of making arrangements and that sort of thing, I left, went home, came back the following day, took time out work and as I walked up to the branch <laughs> I opened up my wallet There's your card. my card. Wow. <laughs> in, in the normal place it would be obviously the card had come out and I just put it away yeah. and I was... I'd, this had been deleted from my memory. I was convinced the card had been swallowed yep, by the machine. Yep. <laughs> That's fun. I actually went up to uh, uh, now. Nowadays, if you don't do a transaction, it spits your card out and cancels it after a certain amount of time. But <laughs> I went up to an ATM machine. It was late at night too. Uh, it, it was outside of a bowling alley, and we wanted to play some more bowling. Um, so nobody had money. So I went out to the ATM machine. And there it is, and it's prompting me on how much money I want to take out. I haven't put my card in or anything. And yeah. I thought, well, that's kind of weird. So I put $200, and it spit $200 out. <laughs> and then someone's card popped out. <sighs> and I I felt so like a thief. Like, oh, my God, yeah. I just stole someone's money. And I didn't think it was going to do anything, which is why I said 200 bucks. I was like, oh, this yeah, is that's funny. And it did. So I had to track down. Oh, we should go for 400 Yeah, right. Um, I, and then I put my card in and took out money. I don't think I even had $200 in my account. So that was a lot of money to me at the time. So the next day, and I noticed that the card uh, was it belonged to a local credit union. So I took the cash and the card into this credit union, which coincidentally was my credit union as well. And uh, gave the money to the teller and the car. And I said, hey, you know, I didn't say that I'm the one that withdrew the money. Yeah. I said, hey, I found the the money sticking out of this machine. and This card was in it. I think someone forgot to. I, I don't know why. And uh, she they, they were so happy. And a break manager came out and thanked me. And so they they actually knew who it belonged to because they had called. They thought they lost their card. 
Um, and then after you left, they pulled the they security. Went out yeah, and no. they bought pizza with the two hundred dollars. <laughs> it's like free pizza for everybody. Somebody just brought us two hundred dollars. Insurance company's picking up the tab. For yeah, this. right. But I, I felt so ah, guilty or no paranoid is the word I'm looking for. I felt yeah. paranoid that I had just stolen this money and they're going to come and get me. And, um, but that's not why I turned it in. I turned it in because I, I didn't want to take someone else's money. That would be wrong. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I, I don't have, I don't really have any other ATM stories other than that one. I've had a couple that has eaten my machine. I stopped trusting them, uh, for a long time because I lost two different cards and my bank charged me money to get me a new card. And back then, if you lost your ATM card, it would take a week or so before they get you a new one. That was a yeah, pain in the butt. That was, um, that's still a problem. In fact, they have a system here in the UK now that if you lose your wallet, you can um, you can call up the bank, even in the middle of the night, and they will give you a code. And you type that code into an ATM, and it will it will basically spot you £100, something like that. Oh, so that's cool. Home. That's awesome. Yeah. That's quite, that's quite good service. So, and, and, but here's uh, the, I mean, the I flip side: these things will eventually become completely biometric, so that mm, you just walk probably up to the it knows who you are and how much money you have. Well, it, but the, the flip side of that, though, is David. I don't need an ATM. If I need cash, I can just go into any store now. These automated um, grocery stores where you go in and you just ring your own stuff up, go in, buy a candy bar, and then it asks you, "Do you want cash back?" Yeah. Yep, I want twenty bucks. There you go. That's 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 about the closest I come to an ATM now. You know, if I'm going to work, Julie's got uh, my credit card, and I need some cash for something. I'll just run into a store and do a cash back option after buying something very small, and I've got yeah, cash. I just, I've got to be honest. I just really don't use cash very much anymore. I hardly uh, ever use it myself. I, you yeah, know, really, I got, really I got, very, no, I got a fifty dollar. I, I take cash out now is is to. Um, is to put some at the safe at home so uh, my wife can pay for incidentals like um, you know right uh, pe- people come in and help her and stuff like that so I, I got a tips and stuff like that. I got a fifty dollar cash thing at work the other day uh, I don't want to go into why but I got fifty dollars and I got three I got five tens right mm-hmm. this was I think last Saturday and in my wallet right now is four tens and four ones so I've used six dollars in actual cash and I can't. I can't tell you what the heck I use the six bucks for. Probably a breakfast sandwich or something like that. But, yeah, I don't use cash hardly at all. Now, there's this guy that comes into our work maybe once a week. Um, he's uh, maybe Mexican. I'm not sure. Him and his wife, it's their little small kitchen business, and he brings in this cooler. And, of course, the cooler works just as well for hot as it does for cold. And he has these little breakfast uh, burritos that they're, each one of them's individual. They, they make them in their kitchen, right? Yeah. And then they wrap them in aluminum foil and they go to different dealerships and park themselves in the customer service area early in the morning. And the people that work there give them a buck for one breakfast burrito. And usually if he's yeah. there, I'll give him two bucks and I'll get two of them. Um, and if, of course, if some th- that's all cash business. You know, I'm sure they're not reporting that income. And I could care less, you know, and they, it's really, yep. really good tasting. Um, so those are the kind of things that cash is still king, but ATMs, you're I think a, you're a, you're a little baggy of white powder. In yeah. They're good people. 
They're good. I, you know, I, I buy two of them even if I'm not hungry and I've already eaten something and I'll just give them away to somebody else yeah. simply because I like that's to right, support yeah. people like that. You know, yeah. I think that's cool. I think that's, I like that. <laughs> I, talking to that though, I saw a picture online a couple of weeks ago on Twitter of, um, a girl in, in kind of, you know, those, those kind of cut off denim shorts cut yeah. quite high, queuing up for an ATM. Yeah. <laughs> stuck the back of her leg with this tiny little square white plastic uh, plastic bag with white powder in it. <laughs> uh-huh. She obviously sat on it and it was stuck to her leg. Yeah. Well, that's that's the aspect of ATMs we didn't talk about. They're <laughs> one of the reasons in a lot of rural areas um, that ATM, well, not rural, but, you know, actually pretty much every area in America, the reason people wanted cash in the middle of the day is because they were going to buy drugs. That's there's that that's indisputable, you know. That that was one of the things, and that was also one of the reasons that you need the cash for the drugs, right? And then you need the cash for the for the convenience store for the um for the munchies after you've had the drugs, right? And you need the cash for your bail when you get busted, yeah. Um, (laughs) because every every jail had an ATM machine in it, um. But that was also one of the big reasons they put restrictions on how much cash you could take out because they knew people were going to go buy drugs. So if we at least slow them down a little bit, maybe they won't waste all their money on drugs. It's just a sad fact, people. I don't I don't make up the statistics. I just read them. So with that, David, and I want to thank everyone for downloading this episode of TechFan. We'd appreciate your feedback. It's the show at TechFanPodcast.com. Uh, as always, you can go to mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com and leave um, comments in the show notes, and we'll read them right here on the show. And uh, I'll see you next week, David. See you then.